Hello, welcome to another episode of the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jason Meeker. Uh, on today's show, we've got a little bit of a different take. Uh, in a moment, you'll be hearing from Successful Farming's advanced technology editor, Lori Bedord. Recently, she sat down with Al Myers, founder of Ag Leader, to talk about the company, the, where they came from, where they're going to celebrate their 25th anniversary of the first Ag Leader yield monitor. So look forward to that in just a moment. Before that, I want to remind you to go ahead and visit the podcast on the website at agriculture.com slash radio. You can see other episodes there and learn more about the podcast. And if you have any suggestions or feedback for me or any of the guests or co-hosts of the show, you can email us at podcast at agriculture.com. You can find that email address on the website also. So go ahead and check out the website, send us an email, let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like, what you might want to hear in future episodes, and you might hear me read your email on on the next, on a future episode. So now we're going to go to Lori Bedord and Al Myers. Al Myers was technology when technology wasn't cool in farming. Starting with a small seed of an idea, his company, Ag Leader Technology, has grown to include not only combine yield monitors, but also controls and monitors for application, seeding and planting equipment, as well as GPS receivers, steering systems, and desktop software. As the Ames, Iowa company celebrates its 25th anniversary, Al is joining me today to take a look back as well as a look ahead. So Al, thanks for joining me today. Sure, no problem. So I want to give our listeners an idea of where this all started. So take us back to, I believe it was in your basement in the mid-80s. Yes, in uh, late 1985, I made a decision to try to develop a non-to-go yield monitor for combines as as the basis to start uh, start a company of my own because uh, the business that I worked for at that point in time, um, you know, they were in tough times just due to the recession that occurred in the farm and agricultural, the, the agricultural and, uh, and construction industries at that point in time. So, yeah, I started uh, uh, with an idea. Um, you know, I asked my uh, father, who was then actively farming, if I could test on his farm over in eastern Illinois. Um, he agreed, so I, um, you know, I started out, uh, actually built a little test stand in my garage using some parts I obtained off a, a combine in a, in a farm equipment scrapyard and, and, you know, developed an initial crude system, which I, uh, I put in on on my dad's combine in the fall of 1986 and well it was pretty crude but it at least showed well yeah this probably can be made to work it's not accurate enough at this point in time and and then I I knew it would be a tough job and it was and I continued on and actually spent uh, six uh, years six harvest seasons I had prototypes in the field with my father and uh, with some other farmers later on and Finally got it, um, you know, after the 1991 harvest season, I felt, okay, this this product is well-developed enough. It works uh, that I can uh, um, 
make it, productionize it, and uh, basically uh, start a company to try to sell these. And that's what I did in June of 1992. So Yield Monitor 2000 was your first product. Take us inside the cab. It must have been so exciting for you to see the results coming through and give us some of the reactions that you heard from farmers. Well, it was, uh, yeah, the farmers uh, were very, very surprised, as was I. Uh, I really, I think no one at that time realized, even in fields that you somewhat uniform, how much yield variation the farmer could see on the display of the yield monitor as he went across the field. And the yield monitor, ex- you know, experienced uh, pretty rapid adoption because the the farmers who were, were really trying to be good managers and find out how they could improve their crop yields were finding that it would show them yield differences in their field that they didn't no existed and then they could go out and do some soil testing or or see try to figure out if there were other problems in the field that could be fixed and improve their yields Uh, i know one of the things we heard in the early days is that many farmers used it to convince their landlords to put some tile in because in many many years even when it's not a really really wet year you know inadequate drainage uh, can have a, a negative effect on yield so I think um, today uh, you don't see as much variability in many fields, at least the fields where the farmers have had a yield monitor and have focused on trying to make changes that, uh, that do improve their yields all the way across the field. So why do you think it resonated so much? I mean, I know you've talked about it really showed them, you know, what was happening in their field in real time, and sales just soared, as you said, you know, First year, 10 yield monitors. Within three, four years, you're up to 1,500 a year. Was it the right product at the right time, or what really resonated with growers? Uh, yes, it was. It was It was the right product at the right time. Um, certainly, um, elect- electronics technology was advancing rapidly. There were people that uh, were creating software to try to do some analysis. Uh, there had been... Um, I think the only previous company to really make a precision farming, and it wasn't even called precision farming back then, it was called site-specific farming, but the only previous company to make a product directly aimed at that was uh, Soil Tech, I think, back in the 1980s. And, um, you know, there were some software companies that were starting to play around with with uh, providing uh, farmers with some software to to do things on a site-specific basis, soil sampling, variable rate fertilization, and then the yield monitor came along as really the, the validation of, well, what, what am I getting out there at different spots in the field? And, of course, the yield is the farmer's paycheck, so they have a great interest in that. Definitely. I also heard a great story about WHO broadcaster Lee Klein, and his first reactions when he saw that yield monitor. You've got to tell that story. Well, I uh, um, he didn't actually didn't interview me. He went out to a farm. I was I was out there just in case he he wanted to ask some questions. But uh, he went out to one of the first uh, farmers to own a yield monitor two thousand, and uh, he was he did an interview in the cab while the farmer was harvesting. And uh, the farmer told me, he says, yeah, Lee went through a kind of a script of what we're going to talk about. And then once he got in the combine and we got going, he totally forgot about this script because he was just totally 
amazed and focused on what he was seeing on the screen of the yield monitor, the yield varying up and down. And uh, so it was uh, it was an interview that uh, that got a lot of attention. Uh, that was back in the fall of 1992, the first uh, season that I had the production uh, uh, units for sale. And developing a product and launching it is no easy feat. Talk about the challenges that you had, you know, launching that product and getting it to where it was really a successful product. Well, the the big uh, thing in the development was developing it so that it uh, it could measure yield on the combine accurately. That I knew that would be a difficult task, and I actually intentionally. Uh, tackled something that I knew would be difficult because if you can solve a difficult problem, you're not going to have a lot of copycats right away because something that's easy to solve or easy to do, you have a lot of copycats. But yeah, over the years, I would, um, um, you know, figure out through my lab testing, through my field testing that, okay, here's something that, that gives me a problem with accuracy. Now, how do I solve that problem? So, um, you know, I tried a lot of different configurations of the grain flow sensor. I figured out that uh, you needed to have, um, you know, a constant clearance of the paddles at the top of the clean grain elevator. And then I had to figure out, well, okay, how do you get that? Because the combines weren't made to, to provide that uh, uh, due to the adjustment of the uh, the chain in the elevator. So there were a number of problems. And I also had, uh, I was doing it on myself on a shoestring budget, so I couldn't afford to hire any, you know, programming or electronic engineering help. So I basically had to teach myself some electric engine, electronic engineering, do my own circuit design, you know, figure out how to program uh, microprocessor boards and, and that kind of thing. So there was a, there was a lot of challenges along the way. And, um, well, you, you know, weren't there, only the inventor, you were the technician as well. So you were tech support. Uh, I did it all in the beginning. There was no one but me. <laughs> and that's really, you know, looking at what we see today in agriculture, we have a lot of young entrepreneurs. You know, what piece of advice would you give a young entrepreneur trying to, to start a tech-related business? Well, certainly, um, you know, tackle something that, uh, particularly if you're doing it on a shoestring like I did, that you that you know uh, – you have some background in and you know how to do it and recognize that success is not going to happen overnight. It takes, it can take years. So if you're, if you're trying to do it on your own or on a very limited budget, you gotta, you gotta operate very frugally. You really gotta save your, your dollars and cents and you gotta have the fortitude to stick with it because you're going to have setbacks and problems that you find that are, that are not easy to overcome. And you really have surrounded yourself with some experts in the field. You've really grown ag leader and the employees. Talk about, you know, your engineers and your customer support. Well, we have a very strong engineering department. Um, you know, having come uh, from a company in my previous uh, career before ag leader that uh, made high technology uh mechanical equipment it was was high pressure hydraulics hydrostatic transmissions basically so they were on the the high end of uh, mechanical technology uh, i knew that you needed to have capable uh, engineering people to really 
to really produce a you know a high end um, top drawer type product, which is what I wanted to do. So, uh, as I could afford it, I started hiring engineers from good engineering schools. Some came from Illinois, where I had gone to uh, school. But uh, in more recent years, we've got a tremendous number of people from Iowa State here, right here in Ames. And so, yes, the um, you know I did all the engineering in the beginning, but today I don't do any of the engineering, and I've got people that have taking the technology, not just the mechanical technology, but software, electronics, all those kind of things, far beyond, uh, you know, my personal uh, engineering ability and knowledge to do that. And what about the product line, Al? You started with Yield Monitor 2000. How many products or lines of products are you offering today? Well, we have seven uh, main product lines, uh, which, of course, Harvest that we started with, uh, we expanded into uh, crop care sprayers and fertilizer spreaders, that kind of thing. We expanded into controls and monitors uh, for planters. Uh, we, of course, uh, we call displays a product line. Those work with all our different uh, applications of the, the different products, but they're, they're a major segment of our business, a very important segment, so we call that a product line. Of course, we have GPS guidance and steering. Uh, where we have sourced, uh, primarily sourced products from the outside, but that's a major part of our product line. Uh, we have water management uh, product uh, line. We purchased uh, Soil Max, which was and still is the leading tile plow manufacturer, and we have a control called the Intelloslope, which is, uh, you know, was the first control that read it made it easy for farmers to do. Uh, tiling themselves without having to learn how to use a laser and so on. It runs off of GPS. And we have our our software um, product line, which is expanded into mobile devices. We have an iPad app, and, uh, and we have a cloud uh, service for data storage and transfer. So I think I hit all seven <laughs> lines there. You've been busy. Yes, we definitely have. So what's the product you're most proud of and why? Uh, I would say our displays because they really are industry-leading displays in terms of they are very highly engineered, very rugged, very highly functional devices. And the thing that we have done is uh, basically made a highly sophisticated device uh, easy to use. We have a good reputation that our displays are one of the easiest to use displays in the industry. And that's what growers are looking for. You know, they want something that's easy to use. They only touch it a few times a year and to get back into the tractor and, you know, kick it into gear and get it going again, they really need that easy button, if you will, just to make sure that they can get it up and running as quickly as they possibly can. Have you found that? Have you been hearing that from the guys you're out talking to? Oh, yes. As um, you know, as farms get larger and larger and farmers are busy managing a large operation, it's not just uh, being able to operate the display or whatever in the cab of the machine. The thing that's happening today that we all see is the whole world is is becoming interconnected through the internet and farmers are looking for uh, you know, that uh, we believe can help them in terms of making their whole operational system much easier for them rather than them having to go to a lot of effort to, um, you know, get information where it needs to be, to massage the information so that it's usable, uh, that type of thing. Um, you know, farmers are definitely looking for 
more automated uh, ways to make the, the, you know, the complicated things that they have to accomplish today happen on their farms. And you've seen a lot of changes in your 25 years in agriculture. So talk about precision ag then and now and how it's changed so much. Well, um, as I said, I don't think precision ag was even a term that was used when I started uh, ag leader, uh, there was this term called site-specific farming that was starting to, uh, you know, to be used here and there. And, and really, um, you know, really when I started ag leader, there was very little awareness among the, the large majority of farmers that there, that there was uh, the potential to do these kind of things or an understanding of what it really could, could do for the farmer. And, and now today, it's um, certainly in the early 2000s, we started to see mass adoption by the, you know, the majority of the farmers and a very large majority of the farmers use some aspect of precision farming. And precision farming has expanded far beyond the scope that I even envisioned when I started the company. It's just like, uh, well, what's next? Because it just keeps growing and growing. We keep finding, you know, additional things that we can automate, um, that kind of a thing. And today it's, uh, it's become a, you know, a very big field. Obviously, you know, in the late 90s to early 2000s, many large companies recognized this. It actually was going to be a big thing. And and starting to to get into it, and today there's just a, a tremendous number of competitors in the market that provide all kinds of different products for all the machinery and services that uh, the farmer uh, needs to use to grow a crop. So let's talk about some of the pain points in precision ag. What do you see as some of the pain points, and how do we overcome those pain points? Well, I'd say probably uh, the biggest pain point we already talked a, a little bit about, and that's uh, the ease of use of, um, you know, for the farmer or his operator in the machine to use the uh, these systems and to make sure that they're working right. I would say another pain point uh, for the, the dealers and end users is just uh, these are these are complicated systems, uh, you know, problems do occur. In many cases, the problem is it wasn't set up right, maybe it wasn't installed right, things like that. And then there are instances where, where things break. So the, the systems um, actually like a lot of the base machinery that they go on, the tractors, the combines, the planters, uh, the um, sprayers and so on have become much more complicated. So I think one of the challenges, uh, you know, not only with the equipment, but the the base equipment, but the precision farming equipment is just uh, troubleshooting these complicated systems. And, uh, you know, that's an area where Ag Leader focuses on making systems that are very reliable. We work very hard, for example, to release. Anytime we release a new product or a new software version, let's say for a display, we work extremely hard before we do that to make sure that we release software that is bug-free. And that's, um, you know, there's a lot of companies in the in the industry that, that have, have struggled to do that. Well, and there's another area that AgLeader works really hard into, and that's tech support and making sure that you have the people on the other end of the phone that can answer those questions, especially during the heat of the season. Oh, that's right. And and we have a very strong technical support and training department for our dealers and, uh, and some end user training like on software and so on. You know, in the beginning, um, 
the the Ag Leader Yield Monitor 2000 was actually the first device out there that that started collecting historical data for the whole harvesting season. And farmers weren't used to that. They were used to operating maybe a spray controller that kept two totals and you just cleared them when you're ready to move on to a new task. So we really pioneered uh, the collection of, uh, you know, data for a whole season. And that was difficult for farmers to, many farmers to grasp at first. So we had to have a technical support department to uh, to help them out because, uh, quite frankly, many of the dealers that were selling the product back then, didn't uh, they didn't use the products directly themselves, and they, they struggled with it as well. And we've continued on over the years to provide um, what I feel is a unparalleled level of technical support to both our dealers and and to our end users. Well, and it's a tried and true product. And as we're wandering around the building at Aglitter here in Ames today, we're looking at some of the areas in the tech support and we see monitors that are, you know, years old and guys still have these products in their machines that they need that tech support on. That's right. In fact, we uh, just last year, a year ago, we introduced our fifth generation display system and if you go out in the tech support department i'm sure you see some of the guys have or some of the folks there's ladies and guys out there uh, both uh, have uh, have one of the first generation monitors and all the way from first through fifth generation on their desk so we hear a lot about a growing population we need to feed that growing population nine billion people by 2050 some people even predict that we're going to hit that number well before 2050 how is precision ag going to fit in to feeding a growing population or help farmers feed a growing population with less land and less water well i believe uh, certainly uh, precision ag is is very much aimed at uh, optimizing productivity of farmland and optimizing the uh, the productivity of the the inputs that you put to grow the crops and and in, in addition to feeding people I think another very important benefit of precision farming which maybe has not been fu- nearly as fully realized as it should be yet is protecting the environment you know, the farmers that really have used precision farming technology and, and learned from it and learned what they can do, um, you know, what they can do with their inputs are avoiding, for example, putting on excess nitrogen just as a cheap insurance policy, which has created some some uh, some problems here in Iowa with uh, the lawsuit about water quality, the Des Moines uh, Water Works, and, and then, of course, um, you know, Nationally, environmentalists worry about, uh, you know, the the hypoxia zone in the Gulf of Mexico and so on. I certainly believe that, and not only here, but around the world, uh, you know, that uh, environmental, protecting the environment can be a very beneficial output of precision farming practices. In other words, you, you only apply the inputs that you need, you use pesticides and herbicides safely and so on, and... Uh, you don't you don't waste money on inputs and you don't pollute the environment with excess inputs. So in your mind, what does the next generation of farmer need to be doing to keep agriculture alive and thriving? Well, certainly I think they they do need to focus on um you know, really being a manager for their operation. I mean, historically, uh farming has been somewhat of a lifestyle type of a thing and um you know farmers uh 
certainly the small, smaller farmers, uh, by necessity, have to spend a lot of time actually doing the work themselves. Um, you know, farm. You know, the, the full-time professional farmers are getting larger all the time. It's just a, it's just an economic fact that that, you know, that uh, that happens. And uh, you know, farmers need to really learn to be good managers, to plan. You know, plan their operations, to monitor their operations. Because if you don't monitor, know exactly, you know. Um, how you used your dollars, your inputs, and so on, then you don't know how to change it for the better in the, in the future. So. so of those young farmers, what advice would you give them, you know, the young guys that are trying to farm differently than the generations before them? Well, I think a lot of the, the young farmers want to do that because uh, they, for one thing, uh, since I've started Ag Leader, there's really been a whole new generation that's come along. And and uh, and um, that's uh, running, controlling the farms, and not all of them maybe grew up with technology, computer technology, and that kind of thing. But uh, but but a lot of them did, and uh, I think farmers need to understand what technology they should be using, what they don't need to use, and um, you know learn how to use it effectively, learn how to really build it into their their financial plan, their management plan for their farming operation. Successful Farming did an ag tech study this last year, and one of the questions we asked was, you know, what product are you really going to get involved with over the next couple of years? And imagery rose to the top, as did variable rate technology. Mm -hmm. What, in your mind, do you think is really going to be catching on over the next few years and make a difference in agriculture? Well, I think the variable rate uh, technology is, um, it's been around a long time. It actually was one, the, the very first thing that happened in precision farming with soil tech back in the, uh, in the 1980s. And when you talk about variable rate, it's not just uh, fertilizer, it's, uh, you know, planting rates, seeding rates, uh, other things, that kind of thing. Uh, I certainly feel that the variable rate technology is nowhere near uh, mass adoption in terms of um, you know really getting the benefit out of it that can that can come out of it. Regarding imagery, we do not operate in that field because uh, it's not our core technology other than we do support it through our, our desktop software. Certainly, I do believe imagery is... Uh, will be important in the future because it's another way to get uh, feedback on what the crops are doing and get it through the growing season rather than waiting until your yield monitor tells you, well, how did it turn out at the end of the growing season? One other question we asked is, you know, why you do or don't use precision ag tools. And one of the reasons that always seemed to come to the top was they didn't think they had enough acres. Have you heard that through the years? And how do you respond to that? Uh, yeah, we've heard that kind of thing. And we, we've heard, uh, you know, we've heard similar comments where farmers have said, well, when times are good, then I'll, I'll buy some of this stuff. But that's, that's not the point of precision, precision farming. It, it you know, it, uh, obviously some of it is kind of expensive, but it has application to any size farming operation in terms of improving your efficiency and, and certainly, um, you know, the time to, time to get into it is not, 
when times are good and maybe you don't need it as much, but when times are tough and uh, and you really do need it because you really do need to optimize your your inputs and 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 get the most output for your dollar. Well, we've really heard a lot of talk about data lately too. Mm-hmm. We you know we've got several companies trying to enter the data realm and. There seems to have been this gap, and now guys are starting to realize that you know data does have value. You know, where was the gap, and are we starting to close that gap in your mind? Well, for many years we've uh, we've used a slogan and and you know done a lot of talks and training on what we call the value of data because that data that you collect with your um, your planter, your sprayer. Uh, your yield monitor is very valuable if you use it for something and there's there's been a tremendous amount of data that's been collected over the over the many years um, and a lot of farmers uh, haven't used it um, you know there are a lot of farmers that employ a consultant to to help them out uh, what we see these days are these companies coming in and talking about big data well big data is not a new thing the the data was already there. We've been collecting tons of it for starting at least 25 uh, years ago. But, um, you know, companies are coming in and saying, well, we're going to analyze all this massive amount of data and then, uh, you know, be able to tell you, the farmer, what you should do. Uh, we don't, at this point in time, fully subscribe to the fact that you can take a huge amount of data and, you uh, you know, and 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 then generate specific uh, recommendations. You know, all across the country, type of thing. Um, you know, things are regional, um, and and even uh, more specific within, let's say, a given state or a given county. And and we believe that uh, you really need boots on the ground in that area to help the farmer. That he he's not going to get good uh, good advice by uh, you know getting uh, you know some black box that generates a recommendation you know that that doesn't have a direct connection to his local area and how his farming operation works and and uh, how crops grow in in his specific area and his soil types and so on I'm not saying that you can't draw some insights from that but what we support very heavily is uh, either farmers, learning how to do the analysis uh, themselves or using local consultants who really who really understand farming practices who understand the the weather patterns the soil types the unique problems of uh, of the farmer's specific area mm-hmm. well and i think too it goes back to the quality of the data that they're gathering as well yes we've been collecting lots of data over the years but if it's not quality data you know, you really can't do much with it or you can't really base a decision on that. Are you seeing that as well? Well, certainly there has been a lot of poor data that has been uh, gathered over the years. But I will say that at Ag Leader, we really were the pioneer in logging massive amounts of data. And we have always focused on making sure that we've got accurate uh, data collection. And quite frankly, we believe we're one of the best in the industry uh, today in, in that respect. So we have, our longtime users have, uh, you know, have uh, many, many years of, um, you know, very good data. For example, on my late parents' farms over in eastern Illinois, I've got, um, I think it's 23 years of, uh, of, yield, of good, accurate yield data off of those, those farms over there. And, 
So look 10 years down the road. What in your mind is going to be Ag Leader's number one product? Or what do you hope it will be? Uh, that's hard to say. We focused on having a very broad product line. We obviously want to continue to be a leader in you know, in um, the displays that provide the user interface that collect the data and in the, um, you know, in, in the software that analyzes it, you know, we have major plans to expand into, you know, the, the Internet of things, you know, the, that, that uh, things just, just get collected in the cloud and they move through the cloud to your different devices out in the field whenever they, so they have the information, uh, you know, when they, when they need to be. So we're still looking forward here. Look down the road in the leadership at Ag Leader. Who will be the next generation to lead Ag Leader? Well, uh, I have a very capable staff of management under under me. I do have two sons that will own the company uh, after my time, and uh, I'm basically uh, uh, setting it up uh, with a plan so that they will continue to own the company. They might not be the top management of the company uh, that I think is yet to be determined, but uh, they're still, still a little, little young in their, in their careers. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm working very hard to set it up so that, you know, when I'm no longer able or not around anymore to, to run the company, that it, that it continues to run and do the same kind of things that we do here today and have the same kind of values that, that we do here today. And Aglator has a wonderful reputation in the industry, so I'm sure through the years, oh, I shouldn't say I'm sure, I'll let you answer that question. Uh, we've seen a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Um, I'm sure there's been some interest through the years from people wanting to either buy Aglator, you're an independent right now. You know, where do you see that going? Will Aglator always be an independent? Oh, yes, uh, definitely. That's uh, my plan. Uh, it definitely will be through my lifetime. And like I say, I'm, I'm trying to set it up and, you know, and, and convince my sons that uh, it should remain independent. I've had many, many large companies have been interested in acquiring Ag Leader o- over the years, all, all the way back to maybe 1994, thereabouts, uh, very early in, in the company's history. And, you know, in, in recent years with, uh, you know, there's been a lot of buzz, uh, investment companies that don't really know much about agriculture. Some do, some don't. You know, they do some research and they find Ag Leader and look at our website. No, oh, this is interesting. So I, you know, literally weekly I get unsolicited inquiries from uh, companies that just want to invest money or buy the company and that kind of thing. So it's uh, it's just ongoing. Uh, so, but I, I'm I'm committed. I'm committed to continuing this company on long term. I I didn't start the company basically to try to make a bunch of money and sell out like there you know that is that is the mode of a lot of entrepreneurs there are entrepreneurs that have maybe they've started and sold a half a dozen different companies in their career but i started ag leader to do what i love to do which was develop new products and i you know i built the culture and hired the people that love to do that same kind of thing and i believe it's benefited not only my employees uh uh, but, you know, the the farmers and, and the world in general, I just want to see that keep going. So the last time we talked was a few years ago, and I asked you if you could have dinner with one person in the world, 
You, your answer, do you remember what your answer was? No, tell me, do you remember? I do, it was John Kinzenbaugh. So I have to ask, have you had dinner with John Kinzenbaugh? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, we're going to have to make that happen, Al. <laughs> I see him once in a while, but no, I actually haven't done that. And has that answer changed at all? Because you said you really wanted to sit down and, you know, just pick his brain. And I think you two have a lot in common. I think it'd be a very interesting conversation between the two of you. Uh, yeah, I think it would be. I, I still I still think that would be a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your second choice? Has anybody come to mind that you'd oh, really like to sit boy. down? I mean, there's just so many great yeah, I, people in ag and even outside of ag, that would be an interesting dinner date. Uh, boy, Besides I mean, me, Al. Yeah. <laughs> when you put me on the spot like that, it's hard to it's hard to come up with the best choice. There's a I'm, lot of good choices yeah, out there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I'm you know, being an engineer, I'm always the kind of guy that well, let's think through this before we give an answer. <laughs> so, what keeps you awake at night, Al? Oh, I would say um, you know, it's it's just uh worrying about am I am I doing the right things to to make absolutely 100% sure that Egg Leader continues to be the the kind of company that that it is uh, that it is today. Um, you know, and, and as time goes on, and I know all companies, uh, um, you know, deal with this. Uh, we're dealing with a you know a new generation of employees, the millennials, and they they think a little bit than, differently than the older guys, certainly like me, or even the people that I started hiring, you know, 20 plus years ago, and. Uh, you know, I'm not saying uh, there's anything wrong with the millennials, but, you know, we have to learn how to deal with them a little bit differently because they do have different expectations for how how they go about their work. They, they uh, um, you know, they, they I guess in, in a way they're maybe like me. They want to, they don't want to just come to work and, you know, do a job and get a paycheck. They They want meaning out of their job. They want something meaningful out of it. So you've been called one of the great pioneers in agriculture. How do you handle an accolade like that? Um, well, I'm certainly um, humbly, I guess I would say. I'm not a person that likes to get a lot of attention. But certainly it, it gives me a lot of sac- satisfaction that I did something useful and, and that people have recognized that. And, and um, I guess uh, basically just the personal satisfaction. So as you look at the legacy that you leave behind, what's the one thing that you want to be remembered for? Um, I guess I would um, I, I would like to be remembered for the guy that really, you might say, kicked off uh, precision farming where it started to really roll and take hold because the yield monitor was the first uh, precision farming product that really took a hold and, and started becoming uh, adopted by a large number of farmers. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you today, and hopefully, you know, I didn't make you sweat too much. No. And I really appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, congratulations on 25 years, and here's to 25 more. Yep, you bet. Thank you and welcome. All right, there you go. That was Lori Bedord, Successful Farming Advanced Technology Editor, with Al Myers, founder and president of Ag Leader. 
go ahead and check out the uh, Ag Leader 25th Anniversary article that Lori wrote on agriculture.com. That link should be in the show notes. If it's not there now, it will be soon. And thanks again for listening. Once again, we'd love to hear feedback from you. If you enjoyed the show, or even if you didn't, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me here at the show by emailing podcast at agriculture.com. That's also going to be in the show notes there on the webpage. And the webpage, if you're hearing this through another means rather than finding it on the webpage, the webpage for the podcast is agriculture.com slash radio. And you can find this podcast, other episodes of this Successful Farming podcast, along with episodes of Successful Farming Radio, which is Daryl Anderson's daily radio show that you can hear on radio stations across the country. So we look forward to hearing from you. We're glad you're listening and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.